associated those colors with what was going to come and we kind of got the idea of peace and uh, there for that white horse in the beginning of the tribulation. This was after uh, those who are saved have been raptured out and pulled out of here. And white horse is that first seal. The second horse uh, is a red horse and that really stands for war and it stands for the uh, war that will take place. Uh, black horse uh, then is the third seal and, uh, and that one stands for famine and what will take place after war. And they, they kind of follow a progression. Uh, it's a natural progression. In some, in some cases here, at least, we have the white horse, the red horse of war, the black horse of famine, and then the pale horse being that of disease and death, uh, as a lot of people will die. And we noted that uh, really one uh, quarter of the population will be wiped out. And uh, boy, what a, what a terrible uh, amount of people that will die uh, in, in the earth. And boy, what a, what a terrible time uh, to be alive. And glad, I, I say praise the Lord, that we're not going to be here. Uh, if you're saved and you know the Lord, uh, then hey, we're, uh, our next event that we're looking for is that trumpet. And man, that sounds, and, uh, and we're all going to fly. And I, you won't, uh, it doesn't matter if you are scared of heights or not, brother, you're going to fly and we're going to get out of here. And, and I don't know how all that'll be. I just know that we look forward to that being out of here. But uh, uh, after that, uh, boy, it's just an overwhelming scene. And the more you go into the book of Revelation, the worse it gets. Uh, and, and I thought, boy, last week was pretty horrific scene of death and war and all that takes place. But then there's more on top of that. And, uh, and so you can see how it is a, uh, a real problem. Look with me in Revelation chapter number 6 and verse number 9. And the Bible says this, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And the white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you again, God, for uh, your great salvation that we can uh, certainly look forward to. Uh, Father, the rapture when we're called out of here. And God, I pray that you would just, uh, as we study the book of Revelations, I pray that you would help us, give us understanding minds and uh, understanding hearts, Father, to receive the words that are, are written here help us to understand them. And God will certainly thank you for that. And God, as we look at things that will unfold, may it burden our hearts to see people saved that they would not be stuck here uh, during the tribulation period. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. 
Amen. We noted on those first four seals that every time a seal was opened, uh, that the beast would say to John, come and see. And, uh, and now we're on that fifth seal, and, uh, and the, the whole uh, dynamic of the way the seals uh, are presented is a little bit different. And so in verse 9, you notice right away, there's no beast saying, come and see. Uh, and so as we read there again in verse number 9, we find that fifth seal. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they healed, which they held. Uh, the first four seals were relatively straightforward, and we kind of went through them. And, uh, and this fifth seal is, is kind of involved. A lot of questions come to mind when we look at it, and there's a little bit more information. And, uh, and I think uh, as we go through these, these seem to be in a natural order. Uh, and again, some people say, well, you know, this is there or this is there, uh, but I, I don't see any reason, any break for the order uh, that is taking place. It's just one right after the other. And, uh, and so the fifth seal here, uh, you notice that there are the souls that are the under the altar. And, uh, and you say, well, who are those souls that are under the altar? And that's a very fair and legitimate question. And uh, our first thought, well, uh, must be they're saved because they're up in heaven. Well, of sorts, uh, yes, but they're not part of our group. Uh, remember, we're raptured out of here and, uh, and we're no longer here. Well, you say, well, some people were martyred for the word of God in the past. They certainly were. They were martyred for their faith even. Uh, but we'll note some of the differences and just why I think uh, that, that these are a different set of people. And I don't think that they were, they're, they're saved people per se, like in our time, time frame, but rather after in the tribulation, uh, did they get saved? And I think they're, uh, they tend to be Jewish people. Uh, and, and we'll look at that. Look with me. Matter of fact, look with me. We'll go there right now. Let's go to Romans. Save your spot here in Revelation. Let's go to Romans chapter number 11. And I read this, and when I read this, and uh, it kind of clicked into place in my mind. Romans chapter number 11, save your spot. We say, what about the Jewish people? And, and why, why Jews are included in the book of Revelation? We see them uh, very clearly and very evidently. And in the book of Romans, chapter number 11, um, really, Paul is explaining some things about the church and about our salvation, and he mentions some, some, thing, some things that I don't think I caught, especially even when we went through the book, of Revel or the book of Romans. I think I might have mentioned them a little bit, but I didn't think it was as clear as it is in my mind, at least, not, at least as it is now. Romans 11, in verse number 8, the Bible says this, According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. He's talking about the Jewish people. Eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Let me pause there and say this. That you remember when Jesus was in, uh, in his earthly ministry, many times he did speak in parables. And the Jewish people did not understand and he explained it to his disciples and said, hey, uh, I want them to be able to hear but not understand. It was not their time. Uh, and they had rejected, by and large, they as, as a uh, nation on a religious level, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. 
they really did not see uh, the church age coming into place. And so we see here that uh, it says in verse number 8 that their eyes were uh, asleep, that they would not see and that they would not understand. Look with me in verse number 9. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. Verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. And I do remember covering, hey, that salvation, because the Jews rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah, hey, then us as Gentiles, you and I, can be saved. And there's that church age that was open. All right. We can see that very clearly. Jump down with me to verse number 26 of Romans chapter number 11. Romans chapter number 11, verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins as concerning the gospel. They are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the father's sake. And for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And so we see there that, hey, God has a plan for the nation of Israel. Now, Paul does not uh, expound upon what that plan is. He just simply says that, hey, God has a plan for the nation of Israel. And, uh, and go back to Revelation, and we will see, they'll, they'll come out a lot more, uh, but I think, hey, there's a lot of probably Jewish people that will be testifying during the tribulation of God, and, and we know this, that they will be martyred. And we can see that even in this passage, because these are those people who have been martyred. Look at what they're martyred for back in verse number 9. It says, and when, I, and when he had opened the fifth seal... I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. In other words, they, they died uh, proclaiming the word of God. Well, listen, that's not new to the book of Revelation or even the tribulation period. That's happened, boy, that, that's happened since Abel in the garden. Uh, not in the garden, but really way back at the beginning of time. They were outside of the garden by that time. But, uh, uh, you know, he died. Why? Because he followed God and his brother got jealous. He died for the cause of Christ. And so there's been martyrs all through the times, all the way up. But in the end times, uh, listen, the, the Jews have been a highly persecuted people. Uh, I mean, very controversial. And people uh, have persecuted them for years. And, uh, and so uh, I think, and we'll find a little bit later, even more expounding upon that. Uh, but, but I believe those are some Jewish people who have died uh, being martyred very clearly, whether they're Jewish or whether they're uh, something else. We can say this, that they were slain for the word of God. And they were slain for their testimony. We do know that they were martyred for the faith. Now look with me in verse number 10. Here's what they say. And they cried 
with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Boy, that's quite a cry. And, uh, and you see that sentiment uh, as I read that, uh, and I started studying into that and digging into that. Boy, that sentiment is echoed throughout the Old Testament. It's echoed several times throughout the Psalms. It's echoed throughout the, uh, several of the, the prophets in the Old Testament. One of them, you can just note this down in Psalm 79, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says this, How long, Lord, wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? Pour out thy wrath upon the heathen that have not known thee and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. And so there is a calling uh, of God to judge. Uh, and these martyrs are, are calling that out. They're saying, hey, listen, we, we gave our lifeblood. And we died for the cause uh, of, the, of, of Jesus Christ and for God and, uh, and for the word. And, uh, and they, they've given up their life and they're saying, Lord, how long is this going to go on before it is punished? And that's echoed several times, uh, even in the Old Testament. And uh, Deuteronomy, you can note this down, Deuteronomy 32, 43, it says pretty much the same thing. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And so there's this cry of saying, Lord, how long are you going to allow uh, these people to be martyred and more uh, for the cause of God? And we see that. And I want to, I'm pointing that out. Why? Because that is far different from Stephen, who died as a martyr. What did Stephen die? Uh, what did he say at his death? You'll remember Acts chapter 7. Uh, he preached a wonderful message about the Lord Jesus Christ. And afterwards, uh, they took him out and, and they stoned him. And just before he died, the Bible says this. He said, lay not this sin to their charge. But that's a, that's a far cry different from what we're seeing here in, in this passage in the book of Revelation. And those who have mar been martyred in the past, uh, the majority of them, many of them, I can't say all of them, we don't have record of all of them, we don't know uh, of all of the records, but many of them, hey, you know, they said, you know, God forgive them, or, or there was not a, a vengeful call for them to be judged. And so that's quite a distinct difference that we see here in this passage as they cry out and they're saying, how long uh, will, will, before this is judged? Go with me to Psalm chapter 13. Psalm chapter 13. This is another one of those that fits right in with this passage. We studied Psalm 13 not too long ago on a Wednesday night, and I did not even make the association there. Psalm chapter 13, but it fits. It goes right hand in hand with Revelation 6, 10 uh, and 11 that we are looking at and, and them crying out, how long? Psalm 13, 13 says this, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemies be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, 
O Lord my God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt, dealt bountifully with me. But we find that beginning, that same idea of how long uh, is the Lord going to wait? And these souls, as they set under the altar, uh, they're crying out to God. And uh, notice there's not bodies there, there's souls there. And, uh, and so they are dead and they're crying out to God saying, how long? That's yet another reason it would separate them from our church age. Because, listen, as we, uh, the Bible says this, if you were to go back to Thessalonians, which we won't, but it says, uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together uh, with the Lord and, and that we'll be ever with him. And so the idea is that, hey, we're bodily out of here. And those that were dead are reunited with their bodies and resurrected and they're pulled out of here at the, at the resurrection, at the um, rapture. And so uh, then these are not the martyrs that were from before that time. These are martyrs going forward after the rapture. And so hopefully that, all that makes that clear and understandable and all of those differences that we distinguish between martyrs in our time and martyrs after the tribulation. And I want you to notice this as well in verse number 11. And white robes were given unto every one of them. I found that fascinating. Matter of fact, go with me to Revelation chapter 7 and verse number 9. It says this, Revelation 7, 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, look at this, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Jump down to verse number 13. And the Bible says, And one of the elders answering, answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of of the Lamb. And so we have these robes that are mentioned. They're, they're associated with them in verse number 11 that uh, the white robes were given unto every one of them. And I got to thinking, well, white robes, I remember seeing white before. Go with me to Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 5. And we're going to make a distinction here as we look at this. Because I did remember white correctly, but I did not remember the, the, the clothing. Ro Revelation 3, 5, this is one of the messages to the church. And he says, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before the Father and before his angels. Go with me now to verse number 18, Revelation 3, 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. And so we see this white raiment. Go with me to four, chapter 4 and verse number 4. And he says, 
And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And I have to make this distinction because it becomes clear uh, as you read this. In Revelation 6 and Revelation chapter 7, they are white robes. And, and, and you say, well, that's a minor difference. In Revelation 3 and 4, they're white raiments. Now, I'll bring this out. Never again is white raiments mentioned in the book of Revelation, only in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Never again are white robes mentioned again in the book of Revelation, only in chapter 6 and only in chapter 7, which tends to group those together, making them very different and distinct uh, garments of apparel. And so we see the white robes in Revelation 3 and 4, that's pertaining to the church age, those who are saved and those who are raptured out of here. And then in Revelation chapter 6 and chapter 7, we see white robes given unto them that were martyred for the cause of God. And so we make that distinction and it becomes clear once you realize those few things uh, that they're no longer mentioned anywhere else. And so I find that fascinating and interesting as we look at this uh, fifth seal. And, uh, and so hopefully that just helps you to distinguish uh, these two groups of people and who they are. Look with me in verse number 12. That was the fifth seal. Now we'll go on to the sixth seal. The sixth seal is very interesting. The Bible says, and I beheld, uh, verse number 12, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind." We find in this sixth seal that uh, many, I've read this a few times, and many good people would describe this earthquake as figurative. I don't see any reason uh, to, to disclaim this as a figurative earthquake. Matter of fact, it, it makes me stop and scratch my head and say, why, when, when I've heard it often said, when, when the truth of God's word makes plain sense, seek no other sense. Uh, I mean, it's there. Uh, and there's nothing that, that would indicate to me that an earthquake would be some great phenomena that we have to relegate to a figure of speech. Uh, we find here that it is a literal earthquake. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. Uh, listen, earthquakes are not new to the Bible. Uh, you'll remember when Elijah was up on, uh, I believe it was Mount Carmel, if I'm not mistaken, maybe some other mountain, and the Lord passed by, and the Bible says that uh, the Lord was not in the earthquake that he sent. He was not in the fire that he sent. He was not in the great wind that he sent, uh, but he was in that still small voice. You'll remember when Jesus was on the cross, and the Bible says that there was a great earthquake, so much so that the graves opened up. And so uh, there's earthquakes take place in the Bible. They're not something that is uh, foreign uh, to the Bible. There's something that's not foreign uh, to the world. And, and so we find here that there's an earthquake. And, uh, and it's going to take place. Look at what it says there in verse number, uh, verse number 12. We already read it. Uh, it says there that the sun is going to become black. And the moon is going to become like blood. Now, 
I'm telling you, if you're around during that time, and we won't be, praise the Lord, but man, what a scary time. Uh, listen, these are not new phenomena either. These have happened in Bible times. You go all the way back to the book of uh, Exodus uh, with all the plagues that were passed on into Egypt. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 10 and verse 22, And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. Could you imagine? I, I, don't, I don't like wintertime. I don't like this aspect of wintertime. Man, it gets dark at like 5 o'clock. And man, I go to work, it's dark, I come home, uh, and it's dark, and I'm like, man, turn the porch light on before you leave, because you know you're going to come back, it's going to be dark, and I don't like all that darkness, drives me crazy. Could you imagine that three days uh, in Egypt when this took place, that there was no sun? They say in pe people in um, way up north, inside of the Arctic Circle, uh, that it's, it's dark, for six months. And they say one of the biggest problems is people suffer from depression. There's no light. And they struggle with, with they don't want to get up and go out and, and all of these things. Why? Because I'm telling you, we, we really don't understand how darkness really can affect people. But here's a proclamation of the Word of God. There's going to be an earthquake. It's going to shake things up. Then it's, the, the sun is going to go black. And then on top of that, could you imagine the moon is going to go red? And so, uh, boy, if it's not bad enough that the sun doesn't come out during the daytime and it's dark all day long, and the only way you know is because a blood-red moon shows up at night, man, that's enough to, uh, to spook anybody. Uh, and, and what an eerie feeling that would give to those people uh, is that, that, uh, that, that moon would turn red. By the way, when Jesus was on the cross, the Bible says this in Luke 23, 44, and it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour and the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And so it won't be the first time that darkness has veiled this earth. And so we find that uh, this sun is going to be blackened. The moon is going to be turned blood. Um, there's reference of that as well in the book of Joel, chapter 2, and verse 31. We had studied it, oh, maybe it's been a year ago now. Uh, but, but the sun, the Bible says in Joel 2, 31, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Talking about that, uh, that, that end battle uh, and that last time that's going to be horrendous. And, uh, and so we see all of that taking place, and it's prophesied, and it's taking place here in this seal, being the sixth seal. Notice there as well, verse number 13, that the Bible says, And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. We, we see shooting stars. It's not uncommon for stars to fall. It is uncommon for them to enter Earth's uh, atmosphere. It's not impossible. Uh, but, but the Bible says, hey, these stars are going to be falling. And could you imagine, uh, man, that, that would be a scary thing for these people. Not only that, but look with me in verse number 14. And those are pretty straightforward. They're pretty easy to understand. The Bible says, the heaven departed as a scroll... And when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. 
And so as an earthquake moves, boy, you could just imagine uh, the mountains and, and, and them being just shifted even and islands being shifted. And that's why I choose to live on a bigger island, uh, not, not a tiny little island. All right. Uh, but uh, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll be gone. We'll be out of here. So we wouldn't have to worry about it. But, uh, but could you imagine, you know, you're on an island and, and the whole place starts shaking and man, there's nowhere to go. Uh, I mean, where do you go? And, uh, and boy, all of that that follows, they usually say any earthquakes on islands, they, they're often very concerned about a tsunami then coming onto the island and, and just wiping out the, uh, the people that are close to shore. And so there's all kinds of problems that are created with that. Uh, look with me in verse number 15, and we notice this distinction that we didn't notice earlier. The Bible says, And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. You notice back on the black horse, I believe it was, that the Bible specifically mentioned that the oil and wine would not be touched. And we referenced how uh, that would deal with the higher class and how that they would probably be pretty well protected and anybody uh, in the middle class would kind of be decimated to be a low class and a high class and that would basically be it. We notice now, and look, at the, look at the emphasis that's put, the kings. I mean, they're, they're powerful people. The great men, that would be people with great political influence, great political sway, uh, and the rich men. And the chief captains, the officers, those who have a lot of money, the mighty men, and every bondman and every freeman. He, what he's describing here is all class of people everywhere, rich, powerful, poor, uh, wealthy. It does not matter. All men at this point are going to be running for the hills. They're going to look to hide themselves in the caves, and they're going to try and find some place to get away from it. And, uh, and, and why is that? Well, look with me. These next few verses are rather plain. They're pretty easy to understand. And, and verse number 16, verse 15, they hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains at the end. And verse number 16, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us. Look at what they're hiding from. From the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And they're, they're fearful of the judgment of God. And they're very much so aware of it. And it doesn't matter, rich, poor, uh, powerful, uh, mighty as far as strength and, and, and military uh, savviness. And yet every one of them are on equal planes at this point, And they're running for the hills and they're hiding in the mountains uh, because they fear the judgment of God that is coming. And, and, and it's very clear in this passage. And you can see how... Boy, what a, what a, what a time uh, that, that everything is going to be reduced. You know, many times we think, well, you know, I, I've got my cell phone. Uh, listen, <laughs> when you wipe out electricity, your cell phone, you can just pitch it. It, it's, it doesn't even serve as an anchor. It's not big enough. I mean, it's worthless if you can't plug that thing in. And, and they said... Um, in 9-11, in, uh, when those towers fell, the cell towers were all jammed. Nobody could make calls. 
Why? Because everyone was trying to punch numbers at the same time and, and it clogged the system. Could you imagine in, in chaos uh, and all the destruction that's taking place and cell towers? And, and if you got poor cell service, then you know what spotty service is, all right? Uh, and, and you go to places and you're like, man, I got no signal. I can't make a, a phone call. And, and imagine that there's even less towers and electricity has been decimated and gasoline and, and all of those things. And it's difficult. Boy, what a horrific horrendous time and you can see how boy everyone is placed on equal footing at this point and it's man strongest man's gonna win you know the strong you, you come in your uh, cave and you hope that somebody's not bigger in there than than you are um, and, and they're gonna they're not gonna kick you out and and they're gonna be hiding and they're actually going to be crying out to the mountains to fall on them uh, because they're scared of the judgment and I love how it says, and the wrath of the Lamb. And, uh, and they certainly know that it is coming their way. And so that's the sixth seal. And uh, we'll save that seventh seal as, uh, as we continue through the book of Revelation. And, uh, and we see how those are a little more involved than uh, the, the first four seals that were the horses. They were pretty straightforward. We can really understand them and see them. And then that sixth seal being the saints that are under the altar. And, and really, it's the idea of them crying out, saying how long uh, before these, these nations are judged. Then we move on to the sixth seal and that great earthquake that takes place. The sun being changed black and the moon being changed red and the stars falling and, and everything moving and men just just running literally for their lives and so what a what a horrific scene and uh, and we haven't even hit the worst and, and so it's bound to get worse as things go uh, but you can see after the peace after the war after the uh, famine and then after the the Bible says death and hell which would be the pestilence and the sickness and all of that would which would kill man and then this uh, scene in heaven where these saints are crying out how long and then the earthquake and then uh, the the moon or the sun turns black and the moon turns red and what a horrific scene that's going to take place and uh, and I say man praise the Lord uh, that we're not here we're gone and uh, we'll be in heaven during that time and and so what an interesting study as we look at all those things uh, that are coming in the future and uh, and you say well Pastor, um, do, we, do we know we got it all right? Well, I, I hope, but I do know this. If I don't, we'll be sitting in heaven and say, oh, I messed that up. Yeah, it wasn't this one, it was that. But we'll, we'll get it straightened out. We're looking in the future. We're looking at things that we're not going to be here for. And, and I don't claim to be the greatest authority on all of this. I'm studying through it and looking through it and, and, uh, and hoping I can uh, present it to you in an understandable format so we can kind of wrap our heads at least a little bit around the, the great tribulation and all of those things that will take place uh, after that, that uh, we're pulled out of here. And so I hope and pray that that's a help and a blessing to you. All right, let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you for, God, as it's described elsewhere in the Bible, so great a salvation. God, looking at the wrath, looking at the judgment that this world will receive, God, we truly understand that our salvation is that much greater. God, we thank you for the great salvation. God, that we're saved from condemnation. 
God, what a condemnation that's going to come to this earth. And Father, we see that there are those who will die for your name's sake, who will die for your word's sake. And God, I pray that as we think about the entire idea of the tribulation, God, may we be burdened, may we be concerned for those who are lost, who don't know you, and God, if you were to come today, that they would they'd be in that tribulation. They'd be in the start of that. God, I pray that you would help us to be concerned with reaching the lost. Father, we'll thank you for that. Help us to be grateful for our salvation. We'll thank you for that as well. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to thank God for our salvation. Maybe you want to pray for somebody that doesn't know the Lord, needs to be saved. Whatever the need, the altar's open. invitation to a close and again I appreciate your faithfulness being here tonight and uh, be careful as you drive home and uh, we'll be back here on Wednesday night at 7. Uh, God bless. Smile at somebody. Tell them you're glad to see them here and don't forget Wednesday night we'll have our business meeting and uh, we'll see you then. God bless.